My world as I knew it was completely over. Everything was just turned upside down. I was in drama club and I was doing gymnastics and then all of a sudden you're at the hospital every single day just trying to make it through. When you wake up in the morning and you are alive, that is a gift. I made it to week 23 and it was quite a journey. Every single week I was dealing with something new in my pregnancy. My body just really wasn't handling it well. So we went to the doctor and they couldn't find her heartbeat. What's, What's up, up dudes? dudes? And welcome back to the Unplanned Podcast. We are back. And normally <laughs> these episodes are super silly and lighthearted, but today we're coming at it with a more, I mean, we're covering some heavy topics. We're interviewing two childhood cancer survivors today. One who is still a kid and she'll be accompanied by her mother. And then we're gonna interview someone that is now an adult. We wanna give a big thank you to St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital for partnering with us on this episode. Yeah. We're actually filming this here in Memphis, Tennessee, where they are located. We ourselves are donating to St. Jude, but we're going to make it possible for you guys to donate too if you feel moved to. We'll put the link in our show notes as well as the description of our YouTube video and in the bio of our Unplanned Podcast Instagram account. What's crazy is like if everyone gave a dollar, we would raise like hundreds of thousands of dollars to help fight childhood cancer and pay for patients' cancer treatment just like the patients that we're going to interview today because St. Jude actually never gives these kids and their families a bill. How incredible is that? It's amazing. And actually, our first patient is just now getting off yellow. Wow. Okay. Let's get started. We are here with Aspen and Stephanie. Stephanie's Aspen's mom, and we're so happy that you guys are here with us. Thank you for sitting down to do this interview. You're welcome. (laughs) We're so happy to have you. I am obsessed with your dress. It's so pretty. And you just did something very cool. What did you just do? I I became the duck master. The duck master. And what does the duck master do? They lead the ducks. They lead the ducks. That's so cool. Yeah, we're staying at the Peabody Hotel in Memphis, and they have this cool ceremony where they lead ducks into the lobby to then swim in the in the fountain. So Aspen just got to lead that. That's that's really, really cool. Aspen, how old are you? Seven. You're seven? Yes. That's awesome. So what grade does that make you in? First grade. Very cool. Yeah. And what are some of your favorite things to do, Aspen? Mm, do art, do P.E., I like to read and go have adventures and play with my pet guinea pig. That's very wow. cool. And I even take him a bath and I like oh. it when he takes a bath. Sweet. Does he like it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but except for the face. Yeah, well, we are so happy to have you here. And we're, we're here in Memphis because we're, we're learning more about what St. Jude is doing to help in the fight against childhood cancer. I want to hear more about your story, but just from what I've heard, you both are so, so strong and so, so brave. Um, and I, I, guess, I guess the first question I, I have to ask is, like, how did you first find out that Aspen had cancer? Like, what, what was it that kind of made you think, maybe we should get this checked out? When she was six months old, she was diagnosed with VSD. So she had a hole in her heart. And then um, when she was a year and I think eight months, she started getting sick. Like um, she didn't want to move a lot. Like Mm -hmm. she had these um, low grade fevers. And at first we thought that maybe it was an infection in her heart. So she spent, um, I think 10 days in a, in the hospital that specializes in the heart and they couldn't find anything wrong with her. So we brought her to another hospital. It was the best hospital in our country and they had her checked. And I think the one that confirmed it was a bone marrow aspiration. 
So wow. she was one year and 10 months. And I think the surgeon casually just informed us because we were like, what is wrong with her? And he said, um, oh, and he was, I think it was his personality. He was very jolly about it. Like yeah. uh, he was, cause he's a child's doc yeah. doctor. Mm -hmm. So he's used to smiling a lot. Yeah. yeah. Like he has neuroblastoma and then we didn't know what it was. And he, yeah. it's cancer. And um, uh. it was just a lot to take in. But then he asked like, how far would you like to take this? And my husband and I just, we looked at each other and we knew the answer that we'll fight, like we'll do it. Well, that moment had to be such a crazy reminder of how fragile like life yes. is. Young or old, rich or poor, no matter where you are in, at, your at the point of your life, it can be taken away. Yeah. Mm. I mean, for her age, at one year, 10 months, you can't, right? And then... Uh, yeah. How did that How did that change your perspective on life? Like, looking at it from that perspective of, wow, like, there's really nothing locked in for anyone, you know? No one can tell whether you live tomorrow, later. We don't know. So I'm convinced 100%, 101% more. Mm -hmm that when you wake up in the morning and you are alive, that is a gift. Mm -hmm. I've, I've talked to my children, my, my eldest daughter about this, like trying to explain to her, there are now 8 billion people in the world and I'm sure everybody prays. And you can pray all you want, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not you who gets to choose which prayer gets to be answered. I guess probably one of those biggest blessings at the time was probably getting in contact with St. Jude. How did that go about? How did that connection yeah. get made? It's another gift. Here's <laughs> the thing. In 2017, when the doctors diagnosed her, she was stage four. They had to tell us that you have to make a decision. We have to act fast. They asked us, did you want the European way or the American way? I didn't even know anything about those things. And so they explained the protocol and we chose the American way about um, the chemo first and then the tumor removal and it was St. Jude protocol. Wow. Then later on, the doctor called. That was in August of 2019. Mm -hmm. And she said, the blood cancer's back. There's no treatment right now that we can do because we already did the protocol and the last step is immune, uh, immunotherapy. She was very honest about it and she said um we have never done that in our country if we would attempt the immunotherapy that's probably three hundred thousand dollars per session and she said i we can like it can make you really poor after this mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. but there is no assurance that she's gonna live mm. so her option was how about we just give her whatever we can and wait, let her live as long as she can and wait for treatments that will become available. So she was, it wasn't curative. Yeah. It's just to prolong her life. And what options do yeah, we have? Yeah, exactly. Like that's coming from the best doctors in our country. Yeah. And then, okay, we said, and then, you know, in a week's time, she called me again. And she said, you know what? St. Jude reached out. Wow. And there is a, a protocol that she can be, um, she can qual 
sorry qualify for mm-hmm. like okay and she said do you are you interested of course as a yeah. mother you're interested for yeah. anything right mm-hmm. and then in a month's time we were here how did that feel like when you found out that St. Jude was going to take on Aspen and fly you out to Memphis from the Philippines. I mean, that's that's a really, that's a long ways away. Yeah, and I'm assuming your whole, did your whole family come too? Like, how did how did that make you feel finding out that St. Jude was willing to, was willing, was willing to help? Another blessing again. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, it's all full of blessings. And were you, sh- were you shocked? Like, were you just, or were oh, you? We were very happy. It yeah. was just me and my husband and her. Okay. <laughs> Remember, this was September 2019. Okay. Mm-hmm. The first people we met were from St. Jude, and they were from the bus drive, I mean, yeah. shuttle driver. He was very kind to us. <laughs> I, I know his name. Kelly. Kelly, right? Mm. Kelly, right? Yeah. Nice so guy. I never for- <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's a Southern hospitality, though. Yes. Yeah. Like, uh, so we were so surprised. Yeah. Because everybody was smiling and like, okay, this is going to be funny. <laughs> Because back home, we don't really talk. I mean, we're friendly people. If you go there, we're very hospitable. But then people here say, hi, how are you? Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm not from here. (laughs) (laughs) I would expect like, okay, you ask me, I'm going to answer you a long answer. right? But But then when you try to talk and like, say something, they walk away. Like, what's wrong with them? Like, but it was just yes. like, uh, but I appreciate that because. <laughs> <laughs> Is that making you right? laugh, Aspen? Right? Like they'd ask you, hey, how are you? And then you're going to answer and then, oh, they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we were walking downtown and strangers would say, hey, hi, how are you? How are you doing? Like, that's very nice. It's a, and uh, I remember, um, gosh, I forgot his name, the chaplain over at St. Jude during that time. He said something very beautiful to me when we got there because uh, the first week you're going to meet the whole team from uh, child life, quality of life, uh, the chaplain, social work. Everybody's going to sit down with you and explain to you what's going to happen. And the chaplain was like, you know, here at St. Jude, we hate it when somebody's standing and nobody approaches that person and asks mm-hmm. them do you need anything yeah and i felt that did you have to learn english when you moved here like did you already know english okay. like that's a whole other thing too you know what i'm going to take this opportunity to just share we were colonized by america in 1898 during um what do you call that treaty of paris when spain mm-hmm. sold us to the united states and yeah. we fought with you alongside with you world war ii yes so ever since 1898 i could be wrong sorry but <laughs> america gave us the public education system our university of the philippines they built the the first university there and everything well yeah most of things are in English uh-huh. so to answer your question everybody in my country knows how to speak English whoa yes and we have two <laughs> national languages it's English and Filipino wow so, and you, so you've been bilingual like ever since growing yes. up and most people are or I mean, I'm guessing everybody is in the Philippines because of yes the sir education we are wow. required to learn the Filipino and English wow. wow yes Aspen do you know any Filipino um, I speak before when I was at Philippines, but now. Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't teach 
You've been taught English, right? Yeah. But you understand, right? Yeah. Well, Aspen, you probably don't remember when you first came to St. Jude, do you? Because you were so little? No. No, but now you know St. Jude a lot. What was your favorite part of St. Jude? What's your favorite, maybe, spot? Spot? Or they know. have any, I don't know, I know, they make, they have a whole, like, food area for kids, right? The food Did good? you like the yeah. food at St. Jude? Yeah, I like hot the hot dogs. They've got the hot, hot dogs. dogs. Nice. So much, even the pizza. Except <laughs> for the broccoli and the like. Really? Oh, not the broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like the broccoli? I only like the broccoli that's without it. <laughs> Did you make friends at St. Jude? Yeah. A yeah. little bit. It was September 2019. Yeah. Do you remember what happened January to March 2020? That was COVID-19. the closure. Right? Oh yeah. oh yeah. So it was just her, me and her her dad. Yeah. And mm. January twenty twenty we were able to bring her siblings here and boom it closed. Whoa. And that's why I say it's a blessing again because we just got them in time. When you moved here, like at what point did you find out Saint Jude? Cover, covers it like that you don't have to you don't have to pay bills anymore for the hospital expenses and the and the chemo like when yeah, did you, you said her treatment was extremely yeah expensive. well from the beginning sir before we said yes we had to ask if we had to pay for anything because i have nothing to pay and they said it was going to be free wow and that's that's nice right i was in a foreign land with my daughter who was maybe dying during that time and they were open doors and will help you every step of the way that I didn't even have to ask for anything they they thought of it first yeah. like from the food from everything like wow. I never thought a hospital can give so much you know like because back home the hospital would like what can you pay for I mean yeah. anywhere you know yeah. yeah what can you pay for and what you can pay for that's the service that you will get yeah yeah but it's St. Jude like sky's the limit right like they have toys for her. Like, I mean, I don't know. I've never felt that kindness before. If you give to St. Jude, like, this is the proof. Yeah. Right. This is the proof that every cent that you give, a child is saved and they try their very best because they had to tweak her treatment. They never gave up on her. Mm. Yeah. And. Yeah. yeah, and now she's in remission. Yes, she is. Yay. Congratulations. Yeah, You're so strong. And how long has that been? They put in the the port October 25, 2017. And they, re they told us that she was free to go October 25 to 2021. Wow. What a special day. Wow. We're so glad you're here. You're such a sunshine. Yes. Your laugh, it just makes me want to yeah. laugh. I love, you. I love your laugh, Aspen. It's so fun. You're so happy. You're so precious. Well, um, and, I, and I wanted to ask, like, what do you have to say to people that have given to St. Jude or are currently giving to St. Jude? Thank you. It's hard to believe in kindness. You've seen the world, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes you doubt, like when you bring babies mm -hmm. into this world. Yeah. But here again, St. Jude is like a reminder. There are faceless strangers that you will probably never meet. Yeah. But they set aside of their money every month yeah. to give. And then there's this hospital that's so full of kind people. 
and it gives you hope, right? It gives you hope mm-hmm. to believe that if there are many strangers who are willing to help and they don't even need a thank you. Yeah. Because I don't get to see them, but I want to yeah. say thank you. You are such an inspiration to me as a yes. mom. Like, I cannot even imagine being told all the things you've been told and the way you've gone about it with so much humility and graciousness is something I will never forget. So thank you so much You're for welcome. sharing such a vulnerable but beautiful story and we will pray for your continued health and for your family and thank you so much thank you too thank you thank you we are here with jessica our next guest super super excited to have you on with us your story is so incredible and i just i just hope that we can do our best to share that with our listeners (laughs) you all are awesome and thank you for coming back i mean this is your second trip to memphis yeah and we're now establishing a program for creators and i feel like we've learned so much from you all like you are helping to kind of create this program and help us build it from the ground up so thank you for everything you've done and for being here well thank you we just want to i mean we have this audience and we just want to do do good with with what we've been given so i'm just i'm just so thankful that we're here and i'm excited to share your story so more people can hear about what St. Jude's doing to fight childhood cancer. Yeah, St. Yeah. Jude just feels so special. Like, yeah. It is. So how old were you when... Yeah. I can take you back to yeah. the beginning. So I was in the fourth grade and I started having fever and night sweats. And honestly, I was just tired all of the time. Mm-hmm. And I had a neck ache, but I was a gymnast. So my mom was like, oh, you just tumbled and twisted your neck the wrong way. Yeah. We thought I could shake it off. And it just, honestly, the symptoms were getting worse and we weren't getting anywhere. So we searched for a diagnosis for about two months. And I probably did 30 blood tests and some unsedated bone marrow aspirations, which were really hard to go through as a kid. And that was at my local children's hospital as we were looking for a diagnosis. And we eventually were told the words, okay, we have figured this out. You have the most common form of childhood cancer and you're gonna be going to St. Jude tomorrow. Whoa, like tomorrow. Tomorrow. And for me, in kindergarten, even since I was just starting elementary school, we had done the Mathathon and the Trikathon. So those are St. Jude fundraisers. So I knew what, a St. Jude patient was, and I knew about the sweet kids fighting cancer at St. Jude. And also my dad had cancer when I was four. So just a few years before I was diagnosed. Wow. So my mom was really set up well to be our caregiver because she yeah. knew what to expect. She'd already gotten my dad through it. Oh my gosh. But also we were terrified because we did know, oh wow, mm-hmm. this is going to be a long journey. And so the next day we walked in and um, the treatment process, it's two and a half years of chemotherapy. And as a nine-year-old, when you hear it's 125 weeks of anything, it feels like uh, an eternity for a child, right? Yeah. And I started chemo the the day that I walked in. They hung up this big bag of chemo that looked like Mountain Dew, bright yellow. And it was a 12 hour chemo that slowly went in. Like they just basically get after it right away. Mm -hmm. Cause you have to, when the child is getting sicker, you have to jump in and start intervening. Yeah, what stage was it when they found? So with leukemia, there's low risk and high risk with what I have and I was low risk. And we found, you find that out with time basically because we had to do the spinal tap to see if it had made it into my spinal fluid and it hadn't. So I was really lucky. Um, And the treatment protocol is just, they've got it down to an art and 
this this protocol th- that was two and a half years there was a at that time it was a 75 percent success rate but now just it's incredible so i mean over 95 percent, just absolutely wow. amazing and that's the most common form of childhood cancer and that's not the survival rate for all of them and that's why you know we have so much work to do at saint jude mm-hmm. what was that like to go through so much as a child like i can only imagine having to deal deal with everything going on having to probably mature at a young age to deal with such a heavy issue like how did you approach that as as a nine-year-old yeah so I remember what happened basically my parents were waiting on me when I got home from school they were never both home and they were like sitting on the couch and I knew we'd been looking for an answer I knew things were not good when I saw that and they told me they were going to talk about something something really heavy yes Um, I could tell, I could just read the room. And I remember this like it was yesterday. It was like everything became slow motion. Mm-hmm. You just have to take a minute, take a breath. I knew everything was changing. My world as I knew it was completely over and I was starting mm-hmm. a new phase. Yeah, I knew it was bec- it was going to be everything about me. It was going to just take over. And I went to the bathroom and I just kind of laid on the bathroom floor and just took it all in but again the next day was incredible we met my care team my mom went to the pharmacy to get my medication and you know when you go to the doctor's office or the hospitals you have co-pays yeah so she was expecting oh it's a huge bag of medication I'm going to have a large copay so she got her purse out to pay and all of the families in the pharmacy just started whispering like oh she's new it's a new family oh. she's like how do they know yeah and they were like put your purse up <laughs> you are never going to owe saint jude ever you're never yeah. gonna pay for anything here yeah. and we never did no family does and that i can't wrap my head around that yeah no i literally have that chills. is that is so so cool isn't that crazy because i mean what is what is the cost of cancer like well how do you That's how much does that question. cost to treat Cancer, yeah. that's, a, I'm sure, a massive number. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, so the most common form of childhood cancer, what I had, it costs over half a million dollars. Wow. Like, there's also side effects that come and, you know, things that you're not expecting. So that's just the average. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Some people would have to take out a loan on their home, right? Like, yeah. And now that I'm a mother, like, you, you'll do anything for your child. Mm-hmm. You don't think twice about it, mm-hmm. right? Oh, totally. But just the fact that the parents only have to worry about getting the child well, being their support system, sticking together as a family, because everything else is taken care of. Yeah. So that's really hard for me still to wrap my head around this far out, because normally I feel like if you want the best of anything, you have to pay top notch. And it's most certainly not coming without a price but well and like you said the resources at St. Jude go so far beyond the medical side of things like with having the social work the emotional help and by the way I am curious like what do the child life is a child life therapist yes so an example my little sister had a baby doll and everything that I went through so did Jordan's baby doll. So Aww. they're helping the child understand what's happening through play because that's what the child understands. Yeah. So like if I had a surgery, so did her baby doll. Where were you living before your diagnosis? Yeah, so I actually grew up right outside of Memphis. So I was oh, okay. just so blessed to be in the area. 
but I quickly became friends with kids from all over the United States wow. and all around the world. Like I had friends mm-hmm. from Bolivia and friends from Libya and you name it because St. Jude is treating kids from everywhere. And St. Jude takes care of everything, puts the family up in a housing facility for the entire duration, no matter how long it is. Mm-hmm. But for me, I was lucky enough to get to go home at night. So, mm. yeah. Did you mature like so fast at such a young age dealing with all these yes. heavy topics and heavy yeah. things in your life? Like, Talk to me more about that, too. Totally. That's a a good thought. My mom always told me that she had to put, like, our dolls up. They never got played with. Everything just kind of shifted. The focus, what was important, just everything was just turned upside down. Um, You do grow up fast. Um, I feel like I remember it all like it was yesterday. My mom kept everything really open for us. Parents get to handle it however is comfortable for them, right? Mm -hmm. My mom wanted to share and let me know everything that was going through. And I wanted that. Like for me, knowledge was power. And I wanted to know what was about to happen. And I wanted to know all the pieces. And I wanted to know what medication I was getting that night. But yeah, um, absolutely. Everything just kind of shifts and your priorities change and you have a new normal. I was in drama club and I was doing gymnastics and then all of a sudden, you know, you're at the hospital every single day and you are just trying to make it through these these treatments. Um, Mm -hmm. The child life therapist, back to them, when it was time for me to go back to school, they did a re-entry program, which was really cool. They went back to my classmates and they, they answered questions. I was in the fourth grade. And so the fourth graders had questions like, um, is cancer contagious? When Jessica oh, comes back, yeah. like, could I get her cancer? Um, and they showed a video in terms that they could understand. And yeah. they said, she's gonna look different, but she's the same Jessica. She's gonna wear a hat, and so the teachers let them all wear hats. Aww. And they loved that, and they were amazing. But um, their reentry program was really, really great because it, it helped me to come right back in after I had been gone for so long. That's really cool, because I was gonna ask if, like being in fourth grade, if it was hard then to relate to your peers. Maybe still in a way it was, even though they knew what was going on yeah. or what happened, but they hadn't lived it like you totally. had. I think that's really special because you have each other to lean on at St. Jude. No matter where these kids are from, you have the same thing in common that you're fighting these diseases and you're looking to each other for inspiration and for strength. And for me, like an example, I was in the lab on the first day and I was scared to go in and get my blood drawn. And this little girl who was five, I was nine, she was five. She was like, hey, I can tell you're scared. Do you want me to go in with you and hold your hand? Sweet. She went in with me. And I was like, if this little girl can do it, I'm the older one here, I can do it. Sweet. So I think you make this new set of friendships and you have this bond. Um, And that's really cool. And back to the housing facilities, we have several at St. Jude. Mm -hmm. I think that's really special too, because sometimes you're living together and the families are bonding together. The moms are able to lean on each other. I just thought about that, like having someone, another mom that is going through that has to make all the difference. Now that we're mothers, I can't imagine what that is like. Mm -hmm. I think it might be harder on the parents. For me, I feel like it was harder on my sister and on my parents because I just knew, oh, hey, I have no other choice. We're getting to the end of this finish line. Whatever it takes, we'll get there. But the family has questions like, is she going to, like my sister 
asked my mom, like, is Jessica going to make she it? She an older sister? She was younger. She younger. was 17 months younger. So she was in the second grade. Mm. Wow. And then she had to grow up, too. So my parents were with me all the time. And my sister yeah. is so independent. She's, like, standing on a step stool cooking her own dinner. What? <laughs> they were taking care of me. And so she's like, I got this. Y'all do you. And your oh, mom, wow. your mom, like, had just dealt with your dad yes. right who had cancer right before you so your poor mother like her husband gets cancer and then it's like okay we're, yeah. we're off the hook we're good and then you get cancer like, uh, i can't imagine she's like the unsinkable you know the molly brown character yes. on the titanic yeah like i feel like that's my mom she's four foot nine and she is just a warrior like don't mess with her wow. she's gonna take care of it all and she's like we're gonna make the best of this so yeah she was the glue that held us together i wonder for sure. what her experience was like going from like a husband going through that and like how that was different from having your child go through that yeah i mean she was great at it i mean my dad as well though it was really cool to have his his perspective yeah. as a patient um so yeah they were both just the best for the listeners you you work at saint jude now you work for saint jude yeah. you went through the program um and like how did how did that come about that's so cool that you are now a part of the organization that helped save your life yeah it's so natural right like this it was a homecoming for me to end up back at saint jude i'd always wanted to be in tv news as a producer like on the other side so that's mm -hmm. what i went to school for also by the way that's kind of fun like seeing you do your production thing oh yeah today. it's fun <laughs> to be back in production um <laughs> but i loved it and i love the breaking news side of things but it was also there was just a piece of me that was like, okay, I don't feel like I've fully reached my calling. Yeah. And this opportunity became available to work at St. Jude. And I lived in Nashville and I got to stay in Nashville, but work for St. Jude. And specifically, I support our music partnerships. And wow. there's a lot of that going on yeah. in Nashville. So I, there's a huge country music program. Country Cares has been supporting St. Jude for about 30 years now. Wow. We started by Alabama. I don't know if you're familiar with Randy Owen. Yes. From the last event. Yes. yes. We got to hear Randy Owen at the last event. He, he sang oh, for everybody. That was right. really cool. That's right. He closed cool. the show out. He was a yes. who. He's yeah. so great. He's funny. <laughs> He's so funny. So he started the program, made this call to his peers and said, hey, we need to do something. We need to come together for these kids that need us in Memphis. Yeah. And now the country music industry is just raising millions for St. Jude every wow. year. The cool thing for me is as a St. Jude patient, that program was was happening and I didn't listen to country music, but I got to meet some of these artists who would come through and visit the hospital. And I fell in love with them. And so I would say, Dad, we need to listen to that lady's music because she was so great. She spent so much time with me in my hospital yeah. room. And then I found out, for example, it was Martina McBride, who was this big artist. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so then I became just a country fan and my husband's now a songwriter and I work in the industry. So it's so cool. That full circle. Full circle, yeah. yeah. And I get to give back for all that... I have, which my my entire life is because of St. Jude, right? So yeah. I have much to give back for. Most people here speaking or like sharing their stories were once patients. That speaks so much to how St. Jude is as an organization and like the, the culture at St. Jude. Yeah. Because if like kids are going through the hardest thing they'll probably ever go through in their life, yeah. you would think they would never want to return to a place where, you know... It could have been such a dark time. Right. It could be traumatic. It could be traumatic. And but then it's not. Yeah. So many not. times it's the opposite. Like it's this positive place. My mom always called it 
it's kind of strange, but the camp for hairless children. She's like, there's always <laughs> something going on. It's almost like Disney World of hospitals. Yeah, it was. It's such a fun place to be, a place full of life, a place full of hope. Hope in the hallways is what you feel when you're walking through. The security guard, the gift shop ladies who knew my sister's name and have you know worked there for 30 years and are still there i mean everybody is just so thankful to be working there and to get to spend time with these amazing children um it's a really special place and i think that speaks a lot to like saint jude's beginnings and like the founder danny thomas uh because we learned so much about like the beginning obviously last time yeah. and how his story and starting it like yeah. you want to share a little bit about like how he got yeah. saint jude started yeah sure so danny thomas was a struggling entertainer back when the hospital was founded he was famous in the 50s and 60s and um he he wasn't doing very well and so he prayed to saint jude who is the patron saint of hopeless causes and he said, show me my way in life and I'll build you a shrine. And so the next day, I think he got a toothbrush commercial and yeah. things just started popping up and his career really took off. The cool thing is, is Danny remembered his promise. And so he was like, I want to build this hospital that treats kids regardless of race, regardless of creed, background, no matter where you're from. That was, he was really a visionary too. I mean, yeah. St. Jude opened in 1962 and this was his dream to treat kids from everywhere, no matter their background. Yeah, I feel like he set such good roots for yes, St. Jude. And absolutely. I just love how, like they talked about how kids come in the doors and it does not matter their race. It does not matter their yeah. socioeconomic status. It just like everyone is just here and has the same mission yes and, and everybody deserves to have access to the same care and it shouldn't be based on if you can afford it yeah. or where you were born where you're living yeah mm -hmm. um so that's yeah that's that's what we are absolutely incredible yeah and i want to remind our listeners you guys can uh, donate actually in the there's a link in our description as well as in the bio of our um instagram our podcast instagram account so check that out and in the show notes too right babe we're yes. gonna put I that. Love I, that i think we can do thank that you so guys. yeah and we're, we're gonna actually write thank you notes to um those that donate oh my 50, goodness 50 dollars or more so please donate um we abby's need... hand is gonna be falling <laughs> off i love it for hey. the kids it's for the kids hey we'll, we'll, kids. we'll, we'll tag team like i'll write one you write one we'll that's tag team so them. and you guys yeah. can guess who Whose handwriting you got? <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But I think yeah, when they donate, I think it'll ask for their address, and then then we can also know where to send the and thank yeah, you note. That'll be on the portal. Yeah, that so, is really, really cool. Yeah, I'm I'm stoked. I'm stoked. So please donate. Um, but back back to questions though. I have so yeah. many questions for you. Like sure. I can't. First of all, like you've been through all this, but then chemo as a kid, like that that affects your life. Even though yes. like it's incredible that you um went through the Saint Jude program and that you know. I don't, it's just incredible, but there's there's ramifications to chemo, right? Like you sure. have to deal with certain things after all that. Like how has how has that affected um, your adult life? Great question. So I've been off chemo for more than twenty years. Wow. I have plenty of side effects. Um, I have bone damage caused by the large amounts of steroids I've taken in life. Um, I had to have heart surgery to replace a valve that was damaged. And then now I have an autoimmune disease and basically my immune system has just been overactive and just just been crazy on the struggle bus since <laughs> I was a kid. And um, so the autoimmune disease 
basically created a new issue. My husband and I were having issues getting pregnant, but we finally um, did. And I made it to week 23, and it was a, quite a journey. Every single week I was dealing with something new in my pregnancy. My body just really wasn't handling it well. But since I was in the second trimester, I thought, oh, we've made it. We're like coasting all the way to the finish line. And then I stopped feeling my baby's heartbeat. Or, you know, you can feel mm-hmm. them kind of kick. Um, so we went to the doctor, and they couldn't find her heartbeat. And it was devastating. It was definitely the hardest thing that I have ever been through. Um, so basically just one thing led to another. And, um, at that point we just took a breath and grieved for a while. And a few months later, my angel of a friend from elementary school sent me a text message and said, every time I'm still, I hear a voice telling me I need to carry your baby. Oh my gosh. And she was like, is there any way I can do that for you? Was her question. It's okay if not. Yeah, She was like, it's okay if not. I just felt the need to ask. I was like, oh my gosh. Now, had she had children? Yes, three kids of her own. And she was a preschool teacher. I mean, this is like, she's the best mom I knew. So the fact that she was offering me this, like I was calling her for sure with questions throughout my pregnancy because... She's just just great at being a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, this is too much over text message. We let's talk <laughs> tonight. Like, I need a minute. Like yeah. y'all talk talk to Ben about this, your husband, and we'll 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 circle back later. And they FaceTimed me later that night and they said, We're just now coming to you, but we've been talking about this for months. Wow. And they had talked to their kids about it. Wow. Their kids thought it was just so casual, like, yes, mom's ca- gonna carry Jessica's baby, of course. Um, and so we started the journey and it was the most natural, unnatural thing that I've ever been a part of. We talked all day, every day, because it's one of those (laughs) friends, you know, that you've known forever. And it was just such a cool thing to get to do together. Yeah. I can't imagine doing that for anybody. Just the selflessness of her and her husband and what she did with her what her body had to go through for Aaron and I wow and so we got to week 34 so like she made it all the way through um and went in for the delivery and it was the most beautiful thing to witness Wow. Um, you guys were both there? We were both there. My husband was there. Her husband's there. Wow. He's holding her hand. My husband's like, I don't know where to stand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, Abby's like, it's fine. Aaron, stand anywhere you want. This is your baby. <laughs> oh, um, my gosh. But anyways, in the end, we ended up having to have a C-section, which she had never had to have for any of her babies. That was so stressful on me because I was like, oh, my gosh, now she's going into surgery for my baby. And they, the doctor was like, hey, it's time. The baby's positioned in a way that it's yeah. not going to work out. Yeah. Do you want to do this? And like she looked at her husband and they were like, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. So anyways, wow. there are angels. So we have this beautiful one-year-old baby. She's so wow. precious. Thank you so much. Wow. The greatest gift we will ever have. 
So, long story short, um, had several side effects, but St. Jude has, has studied all the things that have happened to me later in life, and they've charted that, and I'm a part of the St. Jude Life Study with thousands of former patients, and they're studying what's happening far out in these long-term late effects, and they can look at the current treatments and the protocols that are happening now, and they can say, hey, maybe we can tweak this. So that it's not going to be happening to the patients who are currently going through it. Yeah. So now it's not just about curing cancer. It's about the quality of life for yeah. the long run, wow. which is really, really cool to get to be a part of. The research is incredible. And I think it's also just so incredible that they are freely sharing that. Yeah. And um, which seems like a no brainer, but I didn't realize like hospitals don't necessarily share or not re like research facilities like. Yeah. Maybe want to charge for information or... That's important to us. So yeah. nothing is kept at St. Jude. It's all freely shared. And St. Jude has 180-something labs. So the cool thing is St. Jude has bench-to-bedside research. So what's happening on campus in the labs is able to be taken directly to the bedsides and back and forth so they can take that information back to the labs to make the tweaks which is really really great um, and then you're also on the cutting edge of of treatments and new drugs um, mm -hmm. access to new care so absolutely that's amazing because it's like it's like St. Jude's reach is so huge but then when you think about the fact that their protocols are being sent globally yep it's massive that's really important too um you know depending on where you're from that could change your survival rates especially with hosp or with with kids who live around the world and we're trying to make sure the survival rates you know get up in all of those countries mm -hmm. it could be a 20 percent survival rate in other countries which is where the survival rate started um, for St. Jude, but everybody should have the same access. Yeah. So we're working on sharing research and sharing technology and information with with the globe. So that's so cool because it's like you could be donating and helping someone locally that you don't even like realize. Yes, somebody in your community and also on the other side of the world. Is there anything you'd want to say to somebody that's you know thinking about maybe donating to St. Jude or yeah. someone that has donated? I don't know. I, I just feel like. People, it's probably cool for people for people to hear from the actual patients and people that have been through the St. Jude program. Yeah, I just want people to understand when they make a donation, that donation goes to become the resources, the life-saving resources. We're talking like the blood transfusions and the chemotherapies that the families don't have to pay for. Yeah, mm -hmm. And then also for the research. The research is what's fueling the cures. Yes. And then, honestly, it's the cures that are allowing me to get to sit here. Like, patients are getting to grow up and getting to live lives and become mothers and getting to do anything they want to do. Mm -hmm. So I just hope they realize the tangible effects that, you know, their $20 or $30 has. Yeah. It has a huge impact. And that's totally. why it means so much that you all are here and offering your voices and your platform and your, your communities to help out. So, well, thank you. We're just, we're so happy to be here. And I think it's so cool that we have like power in numbers too. Cause sometimes yes. I forget about like, wow, we have this amazing community. And like, if everyone pitched in a dollar, like we'd raise like literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to help, help yes. people in need. Right. So, um, it's just so, so cool. What we can do as a community together. And honestly, that's what the founder wanted. Danny wanted more people to give, you know, a dollar. It was more about 
a mm-hmm. large army of people getting in behind the cause. Yeah. Um, and so that's really what St. Jude was built on. Wow. Well, thank you again for being on thank the podcast. You, so much. Thank you have you. such yeah. an incredible story and yeah. you share it so eloquently. Yeah, you're so good at speaking, Y'all by the way. Amazing. You're, you're very Thanks good. for making me feel comfortable. <laughs> I'm not really a podcast yeah. queen. And thank you for being you vulnerable are, too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we really appreciate your vulnerability and sharing everything. So, yes, thank you so much. And, uh, hey, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Um, Donate if you can. Donate if you can. We'll have the link in our description, in our bio, in our show notes. We'll we'll make it available. So you guys go donate. Three, two, one. Peace Peace out, out, dudes. dudes.